Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? <laughs> nice to see you. And you. Yeah. I'm not so bad. How are you? Good. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm sort of passing through the second month of uh, of me and my dude being apart so I can work here in Toronto. Yeah. You know, that's hard. Just hitting a bit of a Ooh. rough patch. Yeah. You know, you all start off like these sort of separation periods, like all brave and like, oh, this is gonna be great. Yeah. And I'm gonna do my thing and be my best self. And then I just get around to just generally missing him. Just yeah. good. <laughs> right. Because I forget about all the dishes in the sink. Yeah, sometimes we just need a bit of a reminder that actually we really love the people that we're with. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it has to be a way. <laughs> actually, I do really like you and I do enjoy yeah, having you around. I know. And maybe I'm not as independent as I thought <gasps> I was. Oh my gosh, that is so true. Yes, yes, I really try to be independent and then sometimes I'm like, but I actually yeah. really like you having you around. Yeah. I want you, but yes. maybe don't need you, but I certainly want you. Yeah, yeah. romance. Yeah. Well, they do say absence makes the heart grow fonder. It is true. It's true. Mm. So is there any sign of spring over in Jersey? Yes. Um, Yeah. It's still quite chilly, but you know when you get those really lovely bright spring, like early spring, or it feels like early spring anyway, days where the sun's shining, you've got a beautiful blue sky, and you think it's like summer and you want to kind of get your summer wardrobe out (laughs) until you step one foot out the front door and realize it's still three degrees. Yes, (laughs) yes. So we're kind of in that stage, but it is beautiful to look at. It's lovely. Gorgeous, gorgeous. If still a little bit chilly to be kind of stepping out. Although I think I read somewhere the other day it did get to eight degrees. Oh, yeah. I'll usually blaze on with a skirt and just press forward anyways, <laughs> just for the celebration of it being above freezing. So yeah, yeah generally I'll get my legs pretty chilly, trying to be all f- summer fashionable in the yeah. middle of March. I um, I once knew somebody who come Easter, no matter, you know, sometimes <laughs> Easter can be early, yeah. sometimes it's late. Yeah. Didn't matter when it was, come Easter, they would swap over the summer oh. wardrobe and that would be it. That's way no matter too what the early. Weather, that was the rule. And I was just like, wow, oh that's quite brave. Gosh, <laughs> that must be really hard to stick to. Like there'll be days yes. when you're like, I guess I said I had to do this, but I feel like a right idiot right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, so the, the other day, my other half had shorts on. I was like, what on earth are you doing? Uh-huh. Where do you think you are right now? <laughs> well, the thing is, I get really cold on the top, but not on the bottom. So I, I can yeah, wear well, shorts. That's what he shoe. says as well. But no. I get chilly all over us and that's a no from me. That's a hell no. (laughs) But I do remember in my wilder days wearing shorts to say I'm welcoming the summer. Otherwise, if I don't wear shorts, the summer won't know to come. Hmm. And it's worked every year. (laughs) (laughs) And not just that this summer actually comes every year. Yeah, exactly. Not just that the earth is just tilting as it does because of its yeah. gravitational field to the sun. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, if it is true, can you just carry on wearing shorts? Just well, that's case? the thing. That's the thing. Maybe make summer uh, just last all year. That'd be pretty you don't, nice. You don't want to spoil it for all of us. No. Can you just uh, get those no. shorts out? Exactly. And of course, every time we get the summer, we're robbing the summer from the folks in the Southern Hemisphere. So of course, we can't 
it would be unfair for me to wear shorts all year because what would people in the Southern Hemisphere do? Well, you know? maybe just a little bit extra along. Just a little extra, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's shaking on the uh, international desk of love, Miss Correspondent? Yes. So I read a very interesting article at the weekend about a study regarding the importance of holding hands. Oh, wow. All right. Tell me more. I'm just thinking actually it might not be good to tell you this one because you're not with your man. You can't I'm hold not. His hand. I can't. Kind of feel like I always do this to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. I love it. I love it. I'm just saving up ideas. I'm, I'm now feeling a bit guilty, but this one's for the rest of the listeners who um, hopefully can hold somebody's hand, if not yeah, their partner. Yeah, You could still hold a stranger's hand, you know, <laughs> maybe one of the patients. Yes. <laughs> it's funny. I did just that yesterday, actually. There was a yeah. kiddo. Actually, it's so funny because I, I had to do a finger stick on a kiddo and he's got developmental issues, so he's actually nonverbal. Mm. And so the only interaction, he just reached out for my hand at one point oh, in time. It was very sweet. Nice. Yeah. So I can jive with this. Go on. Tell you me can, more. you can. Okay. So the importance of holding hands with your partner creates an interpersonal brainwave. Oh, cool. All right. All right. So there was a study that was done, which found that holding hands during difficult times actually sinks your heart rate and your breathing and can even alleviate pain. Okay, I can see that. All right. All right. So this phenomena is called the interpersonal brainwave synchronization. Cool. Try saying that after a couple of drinks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that sounds really cool. So basically this physical connection when you're in kind of a really tough time, difficult mm. time, just holding hands and spending some time just holding each other's hands yeah. can really help to reduce anxiety, your heart rates synchronize your breathing pattern. So if you're holding your partner's hand and your breathing is right really kind of regulated and normal um, and theirs isn't they will then regulate their breathing in line with yours to reduce anxiety and just calm the situation down cool that's nice to know okay so very nice there you go yeah this study was done after the um researcher the scientist had um gone through labor with his partner oh my god and that's why Gosh. he decided to do this study wow. was because he was really it triggered this thought process oh. about what impact it has. And he did this study. Oh, beautiful. OK, all right. So there you go. Mm -hmm. That is my Love Desk correspondence effort for this week. Beautiful. <laughs> so what strikes me, though, is that I think that like, and I don't know anything about this, but I think that there's like, whether it's an acupuncture the sensory map of the hand kind of maps to mm. all parts of the body. So I would imagine that there's some sort of acupressure specialist, maybe chakra specialists who could say mm. that the neural connection on our hands is very important. Like it's a very important part of our skin. And yeah. so to connect those two very important parts of the skin, something very spiritual or ethereal happens. Yeah. Very divine connection. Yeah. And it is quite a natural thing to do, isn't it? When somebody's having kind of a difficult time. I, I was thinking about it in, in the times when I've done it, either with friends or with my partner, where it's quite a natural thing, isn't it? To reach out and hold somebody's hand yeah. when they've had some difficult news or they're in a challenging situation yeah. to try and kind of sink it. So it's nice yeah. to know that there's some medical research, some evidence that backs that that is a good wow. thing to do and will help to kind of calm anxieties. Oh, that's so nice. Especially right now where we're at. Yeah, we all need to have our hand held and to hold somebody's hand. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. This week. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. 
So I feel like the hot topic this week, it's a good discussion and I feel like there's going to be quite a lot involved in this. So shall we? Oh, okay. Let's go. Shall we hop across? Shall we hop along? Yeah. (laughs) All right. So this week we're going to talk about independence versus codependence Mm. and what's in between. Ah, nice, nice. Mm. All right. So can you start us off with the listeners just describing what is independence? What is codependence? What are we even talking about? So you see this a lot in the line of work that we do. Mm -hmm. And we are... We are a creation of all the experiences that have happened to us us up until this point in our life. There's Mm -hmm. a whole host of stuff that goes into that, Mm -hmm. especially at my age. (laughs) But no matter what age you are, you will Mm -hmm. be a product of your past up to that point. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean to say that your future can't be different, but it just means that we are we're being influenced all the time we've got little micros of information that are going into us Mm. all the time constantly Mm -hmm. and the brain um, tries to make sense of all of that and creates the people that we are Mm -hmm. and some of us in relationships may be quite independent people so we may Mm. be the type of people that say I don't need anybody else I'm not going to rely on anybody else I'm Mm. not going to put myself in a position where I have to depend on somebody else. Yeah. So I'm really independent. I'm strong-willed. I know I know what I need. I'm mm. capable of looking after myself, taking care of myself and being responsible for who I am. Yeah. So that's the kind of independent side. We then flick across to the other extreme, which is this codependent. Mm. Mm. So we see this in relationships. We do see it as well in, in relationships with therapists or people mm. who are in a position of perceived power or influence over mm. us. Mm. So and we get this dependency where we rely on somebody else for our own self-worth, for our own mm. happiness. And we put that responsibility into somebody else and we put all yeah. of our energy and hope in them making our life the way that we want it to be. Yes, like we have been waiting all our lives to finally settle into a relationship where now this other person can be responsible for our feelings. Yeah. And for our well-being. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're the kind of two extremes as I would see them. Have Mm -hmm. you got any other thoughts, anything that you think's missing from that description? Yeah, that makes complete sense. And we can see like as as you describe them and you describe them in very neutral terms, but you can start to see the problems with each of these polar extremes. Yeah. And I think that's the point, isn't it? So I'll hold my hands up and say, I know which side of the camp I've been on. <laughs> which, okay, I think I know which side. <laughs> so definitely independent. the independence, yeah. right? Like, yeah. So not having to rely on anybody else, being yeah. self-sufficient. But I know that that has come at a cost. And I know that that has caused problems for me. And mm. I'm you know, we're all work in progress, as we've said quite a few times in this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm working through some of those things to allow myself to be more open to mm. accepting things from other people. Yeah. So I'm curious, what middle ground are you trying to drift towards then? Yeah, so I think in the middle is something that's known as interdependence, mm. mm-hmm. which is where you coexist and you're still responsible for your own Mm self-worth so you're not reliant on somebody else to make you feel worthy but you are open enough to give support and to receive support from Mm -hmm. others Mm -hmm. 
So this isn't just about intimate relationships. This is about all the relationships that will develop. Mm. And ideally, you want to be kind of somewhere in the middle. And it's not going to be an exact point, right? Because different scenarios and different situations Mm. require different levels of giving and receiving of help and support. Mm -hmm. But it's about being more flexible and open to Mm. what comes your way and what you might need. I think when we're at either end of the spectrum, so the independence or the codependence, Mm. we're less flexible in terms of what we're prepared to accept, what we're prepared to Mm. give and how um, open and vulnerable we're prepared to be. So there's a bit more rigidity in in thinking and the way that we show up, the way that we are in these relationships. And they create friction. And I'm funny, you know, you mentioned uh, all your relationships. I'm thinking about like your boss or somebody that you manage. And I have been the independent person and that has created a lot of friction because when when I'm stubborn and I'm like, nope, this is the way I want to work. Because yeah. a lot of the times my boss hasn't known how to manage me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And in the wrong hands, that's yeah. turned into a shitstorm because then I get no supervision. But then when I need help, then it turns into crisis mode. My boss doesn't know how to step up. And, it, it, and, yeah. and there's a lot, a lot of friction there. Yeah. And on the flip side, if you were a codependent, you can't do anything without them. Yeah. Are you on the independent spectrum as a worker? <laughs> <laughs> what makes you ask that, Anna? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Just a thought. <laughs> yes. Um, mm. But again, like, you know, how we do anything is how we do everything. So yeah. Yeah. just generally kind of exploring and moving and, and working more on who I am to get more towards that middle ground is mm-hmm. in all relationships. So that's not... Mm-hmm just in a and sometimes you can get it where the the relationships that you have at work help you with your relationships at home or vice versa but either way in all of these experiences we're always learning and growing Mm -hmm. and understanding more about who we are Mm -hmm. and I think being able to reflect on some of the things that happen why have they happened what did I get out of that Mm -hmm. how did that help me to get what I wanted or where I wanted to be Mm. would I do it differently you know kind of really using some of those reflective skills really helps us to gauge where we are so I think the first step really is to understand well which side of the camp am I on Mm, because it's a continuum isn't it and so where am I on that and what do I want to do about that and the answer might be well I'm here and I don't want to do anything about it and that's perfectly fine too that's a choice yeah but if the answer is well I'm in a place and I can see that actually I don't want to stay there or one particular scenario I'm in that place and it's not working then we can start to use some of that reflection and those reflective questions to say, well, what what do I want to do with that information? Yeah, I mean, it's true. And if you're not totally sure, then always look at your conflict points. Like if you were to map out where you come into conflict with your intimate partner, with your children, with your boss, with your friends, and if you just map out where you hit bumps in the road, you can look at all of those and realize that Every single one of them was a break in the expectations is that somebody didn't do what the other person expected. So where are your expectations? Are they down on the side of I want to be left alone and I want to be independent? Or are they on the other side of I want you to fulfill every need of mine? And so you can map out your conflict zones and realize, oh, you know, in that conflict, that conflict comes about because my expectation is of needing independence, excessive independence. So why don't I see how I might kind of come closer to the midline to say... I'm going to concede, I'm going to ask for help, I'm going to ask for connection with my partner for this interdependence. And I might notice then that these friction points are smoothed out. 
I think you can actually be a blend of both. Like I'm fiercely independent when it comes to like financial. Like I don't want anybody like supporting me. I can do everything by myself. I can like walk around in in the dead of night in an unsafe neighborhood by myself. I don't want anybody being my Superman or hero, but I'm deeply codependent emotionally, like deeply. Mm. And I really bought into this hook, line and sinker that this man is going to be like this romantic, like Prince Charming and save me from my emotional distresses. And so when my partner understandably doesn't step up, I get very like, yeah, I've had to learn how do I become interdependent or gain more independence about my emotional needs. And I think that, that a lot of folks are like that, too, where they just kind of went into a relationship, assuming that their partner would take care of them emotionally. Yeah, absolutely. Or not even think about emotions ah. and who takes care of them. You ah. know, we're not great at identifying actually mm. kind of even that we have emotions and we have feelings yeah. and, yeah. you know, naming them and knowing how to respond to them and, and who should respond to them. And I think you're right. It is this kind of notion that I'm going to get into a relationship and the other person's just going to make everything OK, no matter yeah. what comes up, yeah. which is an unrealistic expectation. Yeah. Just when you're talking there, the, the stuff around codependency, often we can see that as something that isn't healthy. Mm. And we can see often where this comes up and we can spot the signs easier mm. than we can for the independence. Because mm. there's been a lot of conditioning mm. to us as human beings, particularly for females, I think, mm. to be independent. And I think sometimes it can be quite difficult to spot the... The dysfunction... Or the yeah. fact that it's not serving people, yeah. even though they're getting gold stars for being so independent. So, yeah. Yeah. Because it's interesting, you know, when we talk about financial independence, and I'm exactly like you, right? So I'm financially independent. I want to be. It's choice. Yeah. But also, you know, you question, well, what does that mean? So it means I'm, there's a lot of pressure on me to yeah. provide for the family, to keep stability, to keep financial mm. stability and that's quite a lot of pressure, right? So if I, mm. what would happen if I wasn't as financially independent? How would things change for me? Where would be the mm. opportunity? How would things be different? Mm -hmm. I think on the independent side, it's looking at why do I feel the way that I feel? Mm. And the reason I started off with that whole description about we are all the things that have, the experiences that we've had to date. Mm. So it's going back in history, like, what is it that makes me feel the way that I feel? And, you know, you're likely to know the answer to that. If you don't, then mm. get some help to explore it and then kind of work forwards then to say, well, how does that help me? And where do I, how could things be different if I was less independent? Mm. And I guess the same as on the flip side, on the codependency, mm. I just think it's easier to spot the codependency. Mm. And that's just my view. Um, that's very interesting. Yes. But I guess maybe I'm less inclined to be codependent. So maybe that's why I, maybe I haven't spotted it. Maybe I've been codependent. And I just didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, it is true because like codependence will create a feeling of suffocation in the partner. Yeah. That'll create much more conflict, much more quickly. Yeah. And it's draining. It's emotionally, it's more emotionally draining. I yeah. think that codependent relationship. Yeah. And for the person who is codependent, you know, I've never met somebody who enjoys being codependent. No. They perhaps sort of early childhood experiences, just like you say, it's where people have come yeah. from. It's an expectation. They never even second guessed it. Nobody wants to be codependent. And in actual fact, 
I don't even think that people take a codependent role all the time. They may have been no. in a relationship where they were the independent person trying to escape being suffocated by their partner. But yet in this new relationship, for whatever reason, the dynamic, they find themselves chasing and trying to seek for affirmation from their partner. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we do have to be careful not to put big labels on anything that we do. Because there is that risk, isn't there, that you then just kind of play that out. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think we can change. We change roles in relationships depending yeah. on the dynamics. We change as people all the time because there's yeah. always stuff that's going on that's affecting us and influencing us um, on a regular basis. So yeah. all of it is moving over time and changing over time. So it's not that you, if you feel like you're either independent or codependent or you've reached the kind of healthy middle of interdependence it doesn't mean that it's always going to be that way but what the most important thing is what choices do you have and where do you want to be yeah because we've always got a choice in in all of this so it's about having that awareness that self-awareness that realizes that there's something going on and you actively choose where you want to be rather than being at the mercy of either ends of those spectrums somebody trying to pull you towards them or somebody trying to push you away yeah you're right rather than being at the mercy of somebody either trying to pull you in or push you away because you want to be able to choose how you show up in your relationship yeah or even you know not necessarily or as well as being at the mercy of somebody else but also being at the mercy of yourself mm-hmm. because you haven't got that awareness of what's going on yeah so you know that there's a problem because there's conflict, as you yes. say. So something always comes up. It's yeah. we're always you see the same the same cycle, the same patterns, and you're on replay. Yeah. But you don't understand it. If you're always hitting the same obstacles, the same challenges, the mm. same things are coming up for you, that's the point to take a step back to say, I know that there's something that yes. keeps we're on a merry-go-round here and it's coming yes. you know what we don't resolve just keeps coming back to remind us that we yes. still need to resolve it it's like yes. you're not done yet you haven't fixed it yeah. you didn't listen it's a bit like when you've got a two-year-old yeah. and um, <gasps> and the two-year-old wants something yeah. mommy mommy <gasps> mommy oh, mommy and they yeah. don't stop yeah. until you stop what you're doing and listen yeah so it's a bit like that yes. except we're the annoying child in our own life (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that's the best oh that's the best yeah it's so true (laughs) so true it's a beautiful thing to work with clients though because the process of if should they choose to break through and to to try to find themselves on a different side of the spectrum in terms of what they need from a partner what they want from a partner what they want and need from themselves Mm. but seeing them move into the middle intentionally is amazing what's fascinating though is as they change positions you notice that it disrupts the partner because the partner, as much as the partner has d- expressed dismay or discomfort with either your independence or your codependence, when you start to shift, they're like, wait a minute, what are you doing? Yeah. Wait, I was comfortable with our dysfunction. Yeah. So <laughs> as like, for example, like a codependent person who finds their own wings and gets on their own feet and starts doing things like, you know, buying property in their own name or things like that, that other partner would be like, wait a minute, what are you... And that might be actually threatening. So it's fascinating. And by the way, like I think we can say, folks, is when one part of the relationship starts shifting, the thing that comes up after a few sessions is my partner is now looking unsettled or I don't know how to share this with my partner because I'm changing what my partner is not changing. And, you know, my partner doesn't know what to do with me anymore. So it's fascinating when you start to choose. 
Absolutely. And, you know, as you say, people do get really comfortable with their own dysfunctionalness, mm. um, if that's even a word. Yeah. And <laughs> and whilst they may not be kind of 100% happy, they are in a comfortable zone because they know what the patterns are. They know what's going to happen. They know what's yeah. going to happen next. So as soon as you disrupt that and you start changing the behavior, even though it's a positive thing and it's moving in a different yeah. positive direction, yeah. there is that thing that goes, you know, particularly on the codependent side, oh, what? Well, you don't need me. Like, yeah. you know, I didn't think this would ever happen so and then it does then instill some fear in the partner because they're like well I don't know who I am now because you started to change so the second any one part of the relationship changes the dynamic of the relationship will change so we often get this question as um, relationship coaches well can our relationship change if if I'm the only one that's doing the work and the answer is yes it can and it will it does so you know, yeah. because of that, you can still work with one client and affect Absolutely. the relationship for the benefit of the relationship in total. Yes. But I think going back to your point there, Anna, about the other person being unsettled, this is where, I don't think we mentioned communication for a while. Oh. Um, this is where it's about actually preempting that. So we know that the other mm. person's going to be unsettled. So mm. it's having that conversation that says, I realize X. I'm going to start to work on why and I want you to know that this is what's happening Uh, and the reason that I'm doing it is because of our relationship, because I love you, because I want to stay with you, because I want to have a future with you that's healthy. Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. And it invites the partner to the table. Yeah. And it might invite them to do their own work. Yeah. You know, a lot of the time people are, you know, the other partner's like, wait, what are you doing? This is awesome. You look happy. You look more confident now I want to have some of that as well yeah. yeah and and sometimes it might not be fear that comes up for the other person it might be sheer relief like particularly mm. where there's been something where it has been very energetically draining yeah because we see like we do see the transformation where people feel lighter they feel the energetic yeah. makeup is different they're there's more joy they're more kind of positive they see more they can just see more ahead for their future together and there is a real kind of lightness that comes up now when that comes into a relationship the whole energy within the house changes within the home and that can in in itself be a relief in something that's welcomed so I don't think it's always that it's going to be met with fear and resistance it may be met with a um actually this is brilliant I really like this new person that's walked through the door that's true it's true But I have yet to meet, we often, we always meet, sometimes we do couples coaching, but but most of the time we always meet one person who's like, I want to do this. And the other person is like, well, you're broken. You go off and you go and help yourself. You go fix yourself. Yeah, yeah, But actually (laughs) both partners need the work. Yeah. Because one person's very, you know, for example, the codependents, you mentioned that that gets a lot of attention. So a codependent partner draws a lot of attention and seems like the broke person, whereas the person who is the partner to a codependent person seems to be the person who has everything together I agree with you like once somebody who chooses to say look I want to relieve some of this codependence I want to show up as a different way I want to be able to be more confident in myself and sort of chart my own path and that energy walks in the door and it's a breath of fresh air and it's light I have never actually seen a partner who is not in their own way needing to do work to be able to receive that in a way that is positive oh absolutely yeah I get that yeah. Because by its very nature, if you're allowing the behavior to go on, oh, if you're allowing yes. 
and you're tolerating things that aren't right and you know that they're not healthy yeah. by its very nature there's something there that yes. means that you're allowing it to go on right yes oh that's brilliant so and some of that going back to that kind of like needy thing it's like oh well you don't need me anymore there will be an element of that yeah in a codependent relationship where the other person is getting some gratification from the fact that the other person needs them so much yes oh and that's brilliant and and the reason why I think I want to highlight that is that when you when you do your scan and realize there's a lot of conflict and you realize where you want to change to show up in a more powerful way for you and for the both of you you can feel really broken and you can feel really like not right that you need fixing and people will come to relationship coaching and will feel kind of like broken souls but it's this that we point out to say no you're actually several steps ahead in your enlightenment and your in your ability to sort of see and in your willingness to create a life and a dynamic that serves you you are the brave person that i'm speaking to right now because you're here so if somebody comes for coaching the brave person in the room is the person sitting in front of me who's yeah. starting the work. Absolutely. And it always saddens me when um, people kind of say, oh, I'm broken, I need fixing. I'm, oh. I mean, even just that language is really destructive. And yeah. it's, it's just really sad, right? Because as human beings, we're just really complex people. Yeah. And there's so much that goes on underneath the surface. We couldn't mm-hmm. even possibly make sense of it all. Yeah. So like you say, if you kind of notice, actually, there's something that I need to do some work on. There's something I need to identify and, yeah. and work out how to change things for the better for me. That's a brilliant, brave step. Yes. And does show some self-awareness that things aren't right. And I feel enough about myself to do something about it. That's not somebody that's broken. Yes. Ooh. Oh, mic drop. I knew this was going to be a good topic. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So should we just talk a little bit about interdependence then and maybe kind yeah, of what that would look like in a relationship? Yeah. 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 So when you're kind of, I'm going to say you're kind of in the middle, let's call it that, then mm-hmm. you can exist by yourself. You have your own self-worth mm. and you know that there's a lot about you your um your self-esteem is in a healthy mm. position you can make the time for yourself and also make the time for your partner mm-hmm. and you've got some real balance between how much you give to others and how much you take for yourself in order to kind mm-hmm. of regulate your own emotional well-being and your mo- own emotional health um, and how much you then kind of give to others mm-hmm. but you really kind of cherish your own existence but you also mm-hmm. cherish your partner this mm-hmm. real balance between I know who I am and I know my worth I know who you are and I know your worth and I know the strength of our connection together ah <sighs> How does that feel? It feels really nice, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when you say it like that, who yeah. wouldn't want that in the light? Yeah. It feels calm as well, you know, saying those words. Yeah. I don't know how it felt listening to them, but saying those words just feels really calm. It's like, yeah, do you know what? I'm in my center. I'm in, I'm in balance. I'm kind of, I often think, you know, we're on a, a bit of a life raft all the time. Yeah. And sometimes it gets a bit choppy and it's really hard to kind of stay grounded and to stay yeah in that place and on board that life raft mm-hmm. but when when I listen to those words and that description we're on a clear still pond mm-hmm. you know there's we're okay we're doing all right yeah. <laughs> it yeah. feels calm it feels safe it feels peaceful and there's this absence of chaos you don't see the merry-go-round yeah. coming around all the time yeah 
And you don't have this anger, resentment, frustration boiling up inside of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're not second guessing. Like, you know, when you're in that turbulent time where you don't, either you don't fully know your partner, you don't fully trust your partner, or you're depending on your partner too much, whichever place it it is in, you've got this I think anxiety often kind of comes up because you do, you're do you second guessing. You're not sure about what's going to happen. You're not sure how the other person's going to respond to something, react to something. So there's always that uneasiness. Yeah, But I feel absolutely. like this place in the middle is like, I know what I'm going to get. Because you've shifted all of the locus of control off of one person yeah. and you've brought the control within yourself. So you're always in control. Yeah. You might be not in being in control of situations, but you're in control of the perspective that you have to it and the yeah. choices that you might make based on a situation that comes outside. So nothing, you realize that anything in the world could happen in your relationship or outside, but you yeah. trust yourself that you're going to be able to find a way through. Yeah. And you trust the relationship, you trust in your partner, mm. that it's not something that you have to do alone. Yeah, yeah. Follow the feeling. If you want a, a slice of that feeling, yeah, this is the work that will bring you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like I just have a little lie down now. I feel like a Zen yeah. moment. Feels like <laughs> Shavasana at the end of a yoga session. It does indeed. Yeah. yeah. Now, now for some deep breathing. Close your eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In through yeah. the nose, out through the mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh so uh, anything to add then before we switch to oh, the question, no. I guess? No, I'm just like, where's that feeling? Yeah. And if you want that feeling, give us a ring. absolutely (laughs) (laughs) all right should we go to the question yeah let's do it okay i'm glad we've got a doctor in the house that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um the question this week is sex hurts what should i do oh yay (laughs) (laughs) Oh, guys, this is so common. This is so common. I might start. Go, You go for it, love. As you can tell. I'm, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I'm back in clinical practice. And, you know, when I work in a busy walking clinic and I see folks and I see a lot of sexual health, pain during sex is so, so important. And it's so important because it's so common and it's so hidden and people just experience shame about it. So they, they try mm. to hide it or really awfully, they'll just kind of blaze through and and have the same kind of sex anyways despite it being uncomfortable yeah. and they often don't share it with a partner with a care provider or whatnot mm. yeah so it's super common and i think my focus here is on folks with vaginas and cervixes because yeah. there are some times when men have you know chronic pelvic pain or painful ejaculation and stuff like that i don't see it that often but it certainly happens so if that's happening for you Certainly, uh, you know, seek help. Don't don't let it go. But there's a lot of things that can cause discomfort during sex for women. There's a lot of systems that have to be in place to not make it what it has always been during an evolution, which is a very painful act. (laughs) We're the only creatures that well, maybe one of the few creatures who have sex for pleasure. And so to not have it painful makes us depart from a lot of other creatures in the animal kingdom. But we can also communicate. Ah, yes. <laughs> As human beings, we can also... You've also got words. Yeah. We've yeah. got that great thing called language where we can talk to each other about what's going on. Um, yes. I think what I would say, my first reaction when I kind of read this question was, you know, sex hurts, what should I do? My mm. first reaction is you're not doing it right. So it shouldn't mm. be painful. So there's yeah. somewhere in that 
in yeah. your process, your warm up, the introduction, all of that, that kind of isn't quite going according to plan, I think. So, yeah. you know, notwithstanding any kind of medical reasons as to why it might hurt, just if we're just yeah. talking about general everyday sex, then it shouldn't be hurting. And if it is, mm. then you absolutely should be having those conversations. And yeah. I think I agree with you, it is around people do get embarrassed, they feel ashamed, they kind of yeah. don't know how to find the words to be able to have yes. the conversation. But yes. it's actually so important to, even if it is stopping in the middle of it and going, and I would kind of say, if it's so, stop, don't persevere, yeah. because that's when mm -hmm. it can lead to even more problems and challenges for you if mm. you're forcing the issue. It also isn't drawing attention to it. So if somebody doesn't know that something's mm. painful, mm. you carry on doing the same thing, right? So you don't know that there's a problem. Yeah. So by staying quiet, all you're doing is storing up problems for yourself later on down the lane. Mm -hmm. So I think Absolutely. as soon as it happens where it is sore or if it's happened a couple of times, yeah. it's then about having that conversation to say, actually, I really love having sex with you. It's great. I'm really glad that we are intimate and we're close to one another yeah. sexually. However, for me, when we have sex, it is quite painful. Can we have a chat about that? Yeah. What do you think we could do about it? I think there's also something on, you know, we're talking about kind of the effect of the female. I think there is a role for the male to play as well mm -hmm. around actually checking in as well. Like, yes. you know, how did that feel what is there anything you want me to do yeah. differently like really allow yeah. an open conversation and open discussion so it isn't just about you know incumbent on women to take sole responsibility for this yeah. we've talked in the past about you know various things contraception all the rest of it whose responsibility is it like I yeah. think anything where you've got a sexual relationship and we primarily talk about heterosexual relationships on this podcast because we both are but that doesn't yeah. mean to say we're ruling out any other relationships so yeah. you know whoever's in this relationship like it's incumbent on both yeah. of you to take responsibility for that sexual activity yeah, that sounds great. And speaking up sooner rather than later, I think is important. Yeah. Yeah. I think the longer you let things go on, the harder it is to correct somebody or correct mm -hmm. something. Yeah. <laughs> my, like, so my name doesn't have an H on it, but it's still pronounced Sarah. And sometimes in a conversation, I kind of just let it go if I think I'm not going to see this person again. I maybe mm. don't correct them when they pronounce yeah. my name wrong. But mm. you can get into some great tricky situations. I have known some people for quite a few years and they still call me Sarah. Oh. <laughs> so that's something that's quite a trivial thing. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Mm. But when we're talking about some of these important things, mm. same principles apply, right? The earlier yeah. we can correct something the quicker we can get into um, a situation that's just more pleasurable and is going to be happier for you and for your relationship. Yeah. Oh, no question. Absolutely. That's true. I think having a conversation is really important. Sometimes you can do some adjustments like during sexual mm -hmm. activity as well. One of the things I, I tell all my patients is to have a good quality lubricant on the bedside table in your back pocket in easy reaching distance. I was just waiting for the lube comment. I'm surprised yeah. it's taken you so long. Oh, you know it. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I was expecting that at least two a minutes ago. A long time ago. I know. I know. It's crazy. And I, I have so many conversations about lube with my patients yeah. and I... And I wouldn't do a drugstore brand. I would do something that you sort of, you can always email us and I'll let you know, like my favorite lubricant. If you get it on the floor and if you slip, you could break a hip. So just be super cautious because <laughs> it's super slippery. Uh, but, but it's so important because yes, warm up is important. Foreplay is yeah. important. It's essential. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you choose not to have lengthy foreplay. Once we cross the age of 30, 
our natural lubrication really goes down a cliff for many people, not for all, but for many people. So it's not a failing. It's not that you're broken or whatnot. It's just that that lubricant is like one of those things that like an iPhone makes our life easier. Yeah. <laughs> and it admits all sorts of sex play, right? In all sorts of places and all sorts of different um, choices and options. So lube is great. The other thing I always like to tell folks is that the cervix is very sensitive. So a lot of folks tell me that in a certain position, if they're having penetrative sex, that they have a deep pain on on penetration. Mm. And it's generally like a lot of uh, guys are very informed by porn and they kind of want to do these like deep thrusting thing that they've seen on their favorite porn movie or whatever. That hurts. And what is happening is that's hitting your cervix and, mm. and that's why it hurts. And so I tell so many patients, they're like, oh yeah, that's what that's what's so, yeah. So yeah. just shift your pelvis and get that off the, your cervix because your cervix doesn't like being hit basically. Those are the two things I would say. And that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so grateful we have a doctor on this podcast. I tell you, I, I, you know, like weekly, on, on the weekly, on the regular, I'm talking to patients all the time about this. But there are a couple of, so if you're saying, look, I've tried a couple of those things and my partner and I have been trying, we're communicating, but something is really off. Like yeah. the vaginal muscles are too tight. Like it really, really hurts. There's excessive pain around the vulva. So vulvar pain. So vulvodynia, vaginismus, these are really, really significant issues that do actually have solutions if you can work with your gynecologist or women's health specialist. Mm. So there are solutions. It's slow and steady. There are things to try, but don't be shaming yourself and trying to just blaze through that like a hero without getting help because that's pain and discomfort that you should never have to go through you need some help with that yeah very very sound Mm -hmm. advice there I think Anna Mm -hmm. totally agree with you that if you're in this position and it does feel painful it really isn't right and you really need to do something about it nobody should be in a position where they're in any any area of the life where they're in pain let alone during sex so it is you know as you say we, we do do it for pleasure yeah. sometimes we do it to produce offspring but yeah <laughs> most of yeah. the time it's for fun exactly um, exactly so it is about making sure that actually both parties are enjoying it um mm. or more parties depending on who's involved yeah yeah exactly keep it here. open um, <laughs> <laughs> that's where the lubricant comes in guys <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it is about enjoying it it is about making it yeah. a, a fun experience but not and not being embarrassed if things aren't going according to plan it is about early intervention have a conversation yeah try some of the things that we've talked about yeah if that's not working then absolutely get some medical advice yeah mm-hmm. oh that's great yes absolutely well i feel like we've done a bit of a public service announcement this week i know absolutely <laughs> i just think oh, yeah. it is so important to when yeah. we set out to do this podcast we kind of wanted to be able to tackle anything and everything that comes in because mm-hmm. i just think it's really important to have these conversations to normalize things because yeah. as you say it is normal it's common it happens it's happened yeah. to all of us at some stage um for whatever yeah. reason and it's only by first of all accepting that it's normal and yeah. and then being able to do something about it that we can change things and it's an important part of this podcast is that we want people to feel comfortable about everything yeah. to do with the relationship yeah. and sex is a big part of that oh yes this is the no shame zone it certainly is yeah no shame or judgment here and a lot of the times we've experienced a lot of the stuff that we talk about in our podcast. If we don't yeah, explicitly do tell I? you that we've actually gone through this, then we probably have. You can just always guess that we probably have. Yeah. Especially if either of us get especially animated or feisty, it's probably because this hits close to home. 
you, you know, if you did a straw poll of your mates, you can guarantee that at some point they will have had an experience that was less than pleasurable. So Hell yes. um, that will just show you how normal it is. Oh, gosh. And how common it is to come up. Yeah. But it's also common to hide it and to be shameful. And it that's is. not good. That's the common thing we no. want to bust open. and Yeah absolutely do you know what I think there's nothing that you can't talk about yeah and I get that we feel uncomfortable we feel a bit weird and I've learned this the hard way and I'm still learning it and I'm still uh I still have to challenge myself regularly to talk about things that make me feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. but I tell you what I'm bloody pleased when I have done it (laughs) because the relief that comes on the other side is so much greater than the discomfort of uttering the words in the first place oh yeah yeah and then you realize that our silence is merely keeping somebody else comfortable yeah and if we break our silence we're honoring ourselves, and we're not trying to uphold somebody else's comfort unnecessarily yeah Mm -hmm. and it it comes back to that self-worth right am Mm -hmm. i not worth having sex that isn't painful yeah am i not worth being in a situation that isn't uncomfortable and unpleasant well yeah you are worth that yes (laughs) and anybody that's not prepared to listen isn't worth your time right yeah i mean these are really basic human rights it sounds crazy Mm -hmm. but i think you and i are both on the same page like it's a human right to feel good about yourself and to feel comfortable yeah and to feel comfortable through all sorts of uh intimate and sexual expression yeah yeah. Here, here. Here, here. <laughs> I feel like I should be on a podium right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, that's a good week to start off. The spring is kind Ooh. of coming. Possibly yeah. COVID things are coming around. Toronto is like moving out of severe lockdown into like maybe a couple stores are open. So we're like that's kid in a candy shop over here. Yeah. I know. It just feel like times are changing and I can only kind of speak for you know where we are in Jersey in the UK but I see that there's some real optimism I see that there's some real hope we are vaccinating at a rate of knots and I've even heard people talk about holidays so (gasps) what can I say oh my gosh well it's when I realized it was changing is this uh, there's an American TikTok video I just came across and there's a woman who's playing it calling or having a call from her boss saying hey it's time to come back to work and she's like uh, I'm feral. I can't fit back into the office environment. I don't even wear pants anymore. Like I was biting people before COVID, but now I've got rabies and I'm, I'm so, it, and it was hilarious. Cause I'm like, I we're going to all ha- have phone calls from our bosses being like, okay, time to get to work. Yeah. And we'll be like, uh, I don't wear shoes anymore. My friend, I don't go into office spaces anymore. Well, the amount of people, it's so true. Right. And uh, you have a great image in my mind there, which I love. Um, <laughs> But the amount of people I've had a conversation with where they've said, I don't think my clothes will fit. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. They stopped fitting in June. <laughs> it's like we haven't been wearing normal clothes, right? So we have expanded no. without realising it. Stretchy waistbands. <laughs> yes. Yes. So we are all in that position, right? Yeah, when they call absolutely. the troops back in, we'll all be frantically dying. And, um, the uniforms don't fit anymore. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. We'll all be digging out the spandex. It, well, that's... <laughs> what is the office wear that's both office and... I think Spanx probably does, like, some yeah. line of, like, they look like office pants, but they're just... They're stretchy yoga pants, really. <laughs> I think whoever owns that, they're buy that stock. Sucking it all in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, good luck to us. Oh, yeah. yeah. But you're right, we are all feral. Yeah. And enjoying our feral lifestyle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's hilarious. Well, one more week. Yeah. One more story on our page. Yes.
Yeah. And uh, yeah, hopefully that is a bit of food for thought this week. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Mm. I'm certainly going to be thinking about it for the rest of the week now. Yes, absolutely. Got some stuff to put into place. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks, Sarah. (laughs) Yes, thank you. A pleasure as always, Anna. And um, I will speak to you next week. All right. Sounds good. All right. Till next week. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.